Welcome to the family with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Mike Brandt. And we'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Michelle Black will join us. Sacrifice a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. This ought to be a good one. We'll be right back with Michelle Black. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. <laughs> By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put JLo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. A little news, a little information. So, Michael, what's the latest with you? No, all right. He, he could hear. There he is. I had my, uh, I had it on mute um, during the commercial. Didn't have feedback. Um, you know, just working away. I'm at a convention now that I, I go to on. It's been interesting, so that's just kind of what's going on. Indeed. Alex made it. That's good. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Uh, let me know when Michelle's Alex. ready to go. Mm-hmm. Michelle who? All right. Um, so what do you guys think of the Super Bowl? I watched most of it, actually. Mom and I watched all of it. Do you believe that? Mom and I what? watched the entire Super Bowl. I'm yep, shocked. because I was rooting. I was actually rooting for somebody. I wanted... The- Bengals to she win. Wanted the Bengals to win. Why did you want the Bengals to win? Yeah. I like tigers. But you do. You do like tigers. And I also <laughs> like. I, I would have liked to have seen sort of a midwestern, you know, team yeah, win. That's what Dan, yeah. Dan was like. They don't get any recognition, and LA has so much stuff. And exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, L.A., you're up against it because, obviously, they've got more money, better training, better coaching, better everything, better, yeah. you know, conditions and in all ways. And it's, so it's nice to see. I mean, Bengals almost did it. But they, they did. didn't do it. They did. So close. Yeah, it's true. And then the halftime show, I guess people are just going crazy over. They're either... It's a bunch of racists hating people that don't like it. And it's like, oh, my God. So it's all about race if you don't like a song? Oh, okay. Well, I think it was because because Eminem was the only white person in it. Uh, yeah. And so people are upset I that it's, that's racist. If all black people, why can't we have representation of all races? And, you know, people are just... We needed the Burger Club to do the... Uh, Halftime show. Wound up. The only yeah. thing I was offended by was Mary J. Blige's wig. It was awful. It was a oh, very God. intense wig. It was so ugly. Really? It really was. Very intense it wig. was heinous. Oh, we have Michelle on the phone. The only thing I'll say as we trend, transition into the interview is I just wish all the rappers would have grabbed their crotch more than they did. I think they only grabbed their crotch about 50 times. You got to do it. On yeah, national television, they're standing there grabbing their crotch, gyrating their hips. That's what I well, want my eight-year-old to see. It's 80s and 90s culture. It's just how it was. I guess. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Black, our special guest. Michelle, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Magnificent. Michelle Black, the shocking and affecting memoir from a gold star widow searching for the truth behind her Green Beret husband's death. This book bears witness to the true sacrifices made by military families. What I want to do, Michelle, is just shut up and listen to what you have to say because I've done a lot of uh, a lot of com- well, not they're not commercials, they're they're announcements uh, for Gold Star families. Uh, did a lot of voiceover for Gold Star families, and it was my great pleasure to do that. I want you to know. Thank you. I, yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Gold Star Family, I mean, that's definitely not anything I ever thought I'd be. And it's, you know, definitely not something a person ever wants. No, you don't want it to be. When Green Beret Brian Black was killed in an ambush in Niger in 2017, his wife Michelle saw her worst nightmare become a reality. She was left alone with her grief and two young sons to raise. But what followed Brian's death was even more difficult, a journey for the young widow. After receiving very few details about the attack that took her husband's life, it was up to Michelle to find the answers. It became her mission to learn the truth about that day in Niger and sacrifices the result of that mission. As I said, I want to be quiet and just hear all about it, Michelle. First of all, sorry for your loss. What a yes. what a horrible thing to have to go through. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, um, you know, it was 2017. October 4th was when he was killed in, in the uh, ambush in Niger, and it was the largest, largest loss of life on the continent of Africa since the Battle of Mogadishu, which everybody knows is Black Hawk Down. Um, and my... My book was really born out of um, injustice and the, the desire to write that for everybody involved, the other families, because there were four Americans killed, and for the men on the ground who were being blamed and then punished for what we were being told was their fault. Um, what happened was we initially got word that everybody had been killed, and then it was followed by just a huge explosion of media because of the fact that it was the largest loss of life and it was um, Green Beret, a Green Beret team. Um, and then what followed that 
was an investigation opened right away, and the team instantly became, came under attack. Um, we were told that the team captain had led um, the team on a rogue mission, that they were hunting down a terrorist, which if you know Green Berets, um, and I knew my husband, there's no way there was any truth to this. But that's what the media was saying they had heard from investigators um, right out of the gate. And we, um, just a few months later, it was six months until the investigation was complete. And so during that time, um, the rhetoric amped up against the team. And then there was a video released. Um, a head cam video had been stolen by the terrorists off the body of one of the men um, who was killed. And they created a terrorist propaganda video in which they showed the deaths of my husband, Staff Sergeant Brian Black, um, Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright, and Sergeant um, First Class um, Jeremiah Johnson. And that spread, first CBS released it, and then it spread across um, all forms of social media. Sorry, I get, <laughs> I get a little choked up thinking about it. I can it. understand yeah. that, um, absolutely. Ridiculous. And, yeah, my children saw it. So, it, it, it you know, and, and each of those men, um, Jeremiah Johnson had children, and they saw it. And it's just, it's awful. My kids were 9 and 11 at the time, and his were um, teenagers. So it, it just was horrific. And in the end, we went into our family brief thinking, okay, at least finally we'll know the truth. We'll get a little bit of justice. And the investigators lied to us, and it was obvious. Every time I pushed for um, anything as far as detailed timelines and questioned them about the concept of operations, which was their proof that the team went rogue, they avoided those questions and um, either gave me half-truths or outright lies. And the final straw was when General Waldhauser, the four-star commanding general over all of AFRICOM, went on. Um, national TV and said that while all teams on the continent were performing optimally, my husband's team was not indicative of what special operators do. <laughs> and in one fell swoop, he just annihilated that entire team, including the men who died. And my husband, he spoke three languages. Um, he spoke Hausa, he spoke modern standard Arabic, and he spoke French. He taught himself two of those languages. He was a national chess champion as a kid. He was one of the most intelligent men I'd ever knew, skilled in hand-to-hand -hand combat. He was more than worthy of the title of Green Beret. And um, to say that he, he was not, you know, indicative of a special operator was the most insulting thing I had ever heard in my life. And I wasn't going to let him, um, I, w I wasn't going to let them do that to him in his death. That was, Michelle, why, was so dishonoring. Did you ever figure out why they did do Why do they do this? Right. My belief is that there were, there were some um, higher-level officers who were responsible for everything that they ended up punishing others for, but I believe there were protections around those officers because they've continued to move up the chain. Um, mm. We did manage to get one blocked, but the other one, I think he's probably got some really high-level connections because I can't find anything on him. It's like his whole file just got scrubbed. And so from what I've heard here and there, he's still moving along um, and moving up the chain. But he was responsible not only for what they punished people for was um, lack of pre-deployment training 
and for um, bad con ops. But the problem was that this specific lieutenant colonel, his name is David Painter, he actually wrote the two con ops that directly led to the ambush. And the, se- uh, the second one that he wrote had all sorts of issues with um, there were things missing from it, including a second risk assessment before sending my husband's team alone to the border, which would have determined whether or not they should have been going alone because the risk was too high for them, which it was, and they didn't have enough assets, air assets. They didn't have any assets, actually. Um, so he's the one who wrote that, all that paperwork and pushed them ahead against their will. Um, so they had asked to return to base, and he said, no, I want you to do this mission. And on top of it, he was the one responsible for validating all of their pre-deployment training. And yet he was not punished. Instead, those lower down the chain were. Yeah, that's uh, what a shock that management didn't take a hit. Hard to believe. Um, how do you explain this to your sons? Why um, the government would do this to their father? You know, they, they were young when Brian was killed. They were 9 and 11, and now they are 13 and 15. And I explain that, you know, the government is a big entity, and there are lots of good people in it, and there are, of course, as in any large organization, there are bad people. And unfortunately, there were some bad people who were self-centered in this situation with their dad. I don't believe the military is a bad organization. I love the military, mm-hmm. and I'd, be, right. I'd love it if my kids served. They want to serve. Um, but I do think there are a few individuals who, you know, were allowed to get away with things that they shouldn't have been allowed to get away with, and that's something that hopefully we can work on fixing. Um, but that was kind of why I did, I wrote this book, and that's what I've taught my kids is you don't get to just accept what you're told. You know, you can go find the truth out for yourself. You don't have to wait for someone to bring the truth to you. So that's what I did. And I know that they'll see that in the future. And if anything ever happens, you know, in, in a similar way to them, they'll know that they can go and do what they need to do to get to the truth or to get what did they you, need. Did you ever contact a journalist to try to help get your story out? No, at that point, because... Um, there were even basic facts that journalists were getting wrong, and I had reached a point where I didn't trust anybody. I knew that I could get the absolute truth from the men on the team, and I I talked to the former South Africa commander. He had just left um, right before this happened, so he interviewed with me, Don Bolduck. Um, Major Alan Van Sam lost his career over it, even though he was on paternity leave when the ambush happened. Um, and he was the one who was blamed for the uh, training, which he wasn't there for and didn't validate. Um, so, yeah, so he ended up, he um, interviewed with me, as well as there was a Helleborn unit that was supposed to be there on the ground, but they got turned around due to weather. So I spoke with their commanding, um, their commander over their team. So he interviewed with me, as well as the survivors of my husband's team. Well. Were you, were you told to shut up, lady? Uh, no, I think they. I think no one believed me that I would okay. be able to do this. I'm just an army wife, right? So great. I love. You know, that's the best thing about being underestimated. So right. um, <laughs> I think when it actually came out, it was like, wait, <laughs> she pulled this off. So um, yeah. Did the people that were punished? Did they? Um, use this as a defense, or did they just take the punishment? 
Well, what happened was initially the captain of the team was the main one who was held accountable that hadn't, you know, it, his, they were the one that they, uh, was being said, like all across media and whatever, we were being told he went rogue. And so he was the main one that came under attack. And then, of course, Major Alan Van Son, which I didn't know about him until later because he just kind of accepted the punishment, frustrated, fought for himself, and then left. Um, so I didn't know all that was going on with, with Major Alan Van Son until later. And he, by then he was already out of the military. Um, but um, Captain Parazzini, he was being blamed for lack of pre-mission rehearsals. And which was ridiculous because by the time I ran all of like after I interviewed him, I realized um, I interviewed him in in uh, I want to say summer 2018, and his punishment was handed down in September 2018. And so by then, I already knew enough of the details to know that he wasn't at fault for lack of pre-mission rehearsals because it was a short suspense mission, which means it was handed down super fast. They wouldn't have had any time. They had an hour between the mission being handed down and having to move out for the mission. And they hadn't slept. Um, so it was kind of like a movement through the night. And then it was handed to them. And they had an hour to either sleep or do mission rehearsals. So because of that, um, I knew better. So I wrote a letter for him to defend him. And my father-in-law wrote a letter for him. And I think because a little bit of heat was coming from not just... Um, him fighting back, but also that the family members knew. And um, that looks really bad. So they actually rescinded that initial punishment. And then they did a second round of punishments and then handed him another go more. So, um, and then that one got rescinded as well, because once again, we all wrote letters, etc. Michelle, why was it necessary? Why did they think it was necessary to throw your husband and all the other people um, in this uh, mission under the bus? Why, why did they even think they had to do that? I don't get it. Um, because I think it was easier to blame those lowest on the ground than have to explain who was truly responsible for the mission. It's easier to say these guys, first of all, they were under gag orders. So they couldn't stand up for themselves. And mm -hmm. they're lowest down the chain. So if they fight back at all, um, they just get punished, you know, either way. So either they accept their go-mores and hope to just... I, I, and I think as far as my... You know, it, it's hard to say. My, my best guess is that they value officers more in this situation than they valued the men on the ground. Somebody did. But see, that makes no sense to me. The men and women on the ground are the ones getting the job done. I would put more power in their hands, not less. Exactly. But the structure of the military is top down. And, and right now that's you know not working out very well for those on the ground. No, it really is not. Well, you know what? That's kind of the world right now. Everybody sitting at the top thinks they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. It's disgusting. I, I, you know, nothing this severe. I have not gone through anything nearly as bad as you've gone through. But, it, Michelle, it does sound like you're handling this very, very well. I mean, obviously, you're going to get choked up once in a while. But you were there as a strong mom for your boys, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
You know, I think that the top-down structure in the military is great and it's necessary, but we need to have some sort of um, oversight as far as the officers and when a situation like this happens. I think the worst problem that we ran into specifically in my in my um, experience with, with the Niger incident is that AFRICOM, the Africa Command, um, they investigated themselves. So a four-star command investigating a four-star command, which then, of course, they found no fault at the higher levels. They only right. found it at the lowest levels. And then, of course, they, they got to say, well, now you need to punish your people down. You know, they got to tell the three-star command that now you need to punish your people. So, you know, we need to have some, some rules put in place to keep that from happening again. So you said your boys want to. And what, what are the first names of your boys? <laughs> Ezekiel and Isaac. Ezekiel and I, ooh, big shot. Those are pretty snazzy <laughs> names, I'd say. Yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> she just goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how are they doing with this whole thing? They were the nine and eleven now, thirteen and fifteen. How how are they de- dealing with it? I mean, obviously they hear the sadness in your voice, and I'm sure you have days where it's a lot harder than other days. How are the boys dealing with it? You know, they're they're doing it, um, dealing with it really well. Um, kids are very resilient, and I try to teach them to be strong and positive and find the good things rather than the bad things. And my oldest son is on the spectrum, and autism spectrum, and he, you know, he's always had to overcome it. Life has just always been a harder, it's been harder for him. And now he's getting straight A's in school, in high school, and he tells me every day, he's like, I just... I don't want to make the loss of my dad become um, something that I use to be a victim and, mm-hmm. and to make my life harder. He goes, I want to use it to make myself stronger and a better human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I try to teach them is like, your dad went all out for the little bit of life he had. Um, so just go out and, you know, live it up as long as you've got because you don't know how long you have. And, you know, take full advantage and don't be a victim. Because there's a lot of people out there who have it a lot worse than you do, and so they yeah. they're doing good. No, I'm glad to hear that. Do they ever? Do they realize? Maybe maybe uh, they could you could pass. I'm sure they do realize, but in case they don't, that uh, their father being a green beret was a very tough guy, but their mother might be even tougher. <laughs> <laughs> In different aspects, perhaps. <laughs> in different aspects, exactly. Yeah. In different aspects. But that you could see why a Green Beret would be attracted to you, because you're a very strong human being. Obviously, to be in the Green Beret, you have to be a really strong human being. But I could see why you had such a great relationship, because you thought the same way. It's like, we, we will stand here. We're not going to back down. You can just keep firing away at us if you want to, but we're not moving and we're not backing down. I really admire that in you, Michelle. Thank you so much. Well, it's only because it's true. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's only because it's true. Um, I need to take a very quick break. You have about 10 more minutes. Okay. Does that work? Okay, yep. we'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Michelle Black with us. The book is called Sacrifice, A Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. Right back. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new 
for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Visit bloomingtonboatshow.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy. And that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my fellow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Michelle Black, our special guest, Sacrifice a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. It's uh, available on Amazon and just about everywhere. I know there are people uh, in uh, in Studio A that have some questions, I'm sure, and I just want to make sure I get out of your way because we only have about 10 more minutes left with Michelle. Can I just tell a cute little story? Oh, love to hear it. Okay, so I was taking my um, three-year-old grandson for a walk, and we went through this park, and it has a gold star um, memorial. Yeah, it does, yeah. And he wanted to look at it, and I read the whole thing. We talked about what a Gold Star family is, and I taught him how to salute. And, we, you know, he was, he was really into it. And it was very touching. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Three, four hours later. Do you want to tell Bop-Bop what a Gold Star family is? He says, I don't know. he didn't know if he wanted to tell me is what he meant by that no i think it was just too much information not great with the memory on that Mm -hmm. one that was pretty fun it was pretty funny yeah i think it's wonderful yeah i mean he was really into it though he liked he liked the you know understanding it and he really liked learning how to salute but he's only three well, for the rest of the break. for the rest of the trip, though, he would run to the door anytime we were going back to the condo and stand in front of the door and salute. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he did learn something. Yep. He did. <laughs> he learned something. He... Michelle, um, yeah, did you play any role in the congressional the the congress, congressional review? Because it looks like they did a number of uh, at least investigations into it. Um, did did you guys play any role as far as testimony or any of the evidence that you were finding? No, no, I didn't. Um, I think, you know, I don't really know how all of that went down. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like I said, I don't think many people realized I was writing a book, and it was taking all my effort between 
raising the kids, doing the interviews, and writing. Um, and we moved across <laughs> across country during that time. So um, a lot of that happened, and I was like, oh, this is great. I wish I would have, you know, been aware and been apart, but no. What did you find in there, Michael? It was just the... Uh the different testimonies. I was just reading about that and, and what a couple of them uh, said, because it sounds like a couple of them got it completely wrong based upon what they were being told. Um, and I, I just bought the book, too. So I'm, I'm really interested in just the overall uh, work you've done. And thank you for what you've done for our country, both in the sacrifice and what you do as a, as a wife. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always say it, it's it's been you know, the greatest honor of my life that I could do this and that the men on the team trusted me because Green Berets, they don't talk. Um, right. They don't talk to anyone. So that was, you know, um, and, and you'll find in the book, I because of that, I went out of my way to learn as much as I could. So when I wrote the section on the ground, it's extremely detailed. I wanted it to be written as though I was a special operator, but... You know, so I would have the same um, knowledge that they would have. So it's very thorough because it's what I wanted and what the other families wanted and deserved from the military, which was a breakdown minute by minute of what happened and, um, you know, how they ended up in that position and why they should not have and who was actually responsible. Michelle, how old were you and uh, and your husband when you met Brian? When when you and Brian met, how old were both of you? Oh gosh, well he was five years younger than me, so <laughs> he was brilliant. He um, graduated high school um, at the same time as getting his two-year degree from college. So when I met him, mm. he just graduated with his four-year degree, and he was twenty, and I was twenty-five, and. Um, he actually was dating a friend of mine, and um, two years later we were married, and I was 27, he was 22. <laughs> and he told you at, at one point he wanted to become a Green Beret? Did he, did he know in that age range that, that this is what I want to do? He'd wanted to be a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL from the time he was probably 10 years old. Um, So I always knew that was in the back of his mind. Um, When I met him, he was playing online poker for a living, ironically. And um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he made he actually wanted to be a day trader um, with stocks. And a friend of his who was really successful at it told him, well, you need to learn risk management measures first. So why don't you go ahead and um, play online poker for a living? It'll help you learn how to manage risk. And so Mm. he started doing that and started making such good money that um, he stuck with that for a few years. And then banking laws tightened, and it became risky to um, put money onto the accounts and to take them off. Um, And that's basically what ended online gaming was the fact that you had to put your money in offshore accounts in order to um, move them into poker, Mm. um, online poker. Yeah. So when he, he did make the announcement, at what age that he wanted to join the United States Army and become a, a Green Beret, how old was he then? Well, we've been married for about three years. So he was 20, I want to say he was 25 or 26 when he joined. So he was older. And did you come, did you talk, try to talk him out of it? Did you support him? Did you try to talk him into it? How, what was your take on it? I 
told him, it, you know, at that point, we had, like I said, we had a child on the autism spectrum, so one of us had to be home all the time. And right. I said, you know, if that's what you want to do to support the family and that'll make you happy, um, you should do what's going to make you happy right now because you have to do it all the time. So I supported him. And now, I mean, how old was he when he died again? He was 35. He was only 35, yeah. that's What an amazing story you have. The book is available everywhere. Sacrifice a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. I am so glad that we got the chance to meet today and talk today. Uh, like I said, you're a very, very strong person. I can see why Brian was interested in a woman and i mean the five years is not that much anyway although i'm eight years older than Catherine, and she keeps insisting she's like 28 years younger than me but you know other than that who does that so, who do, what <laughs> who does it but michelle yeah. uh all the best to you and your family and I, I know you must have you still have nights when you lie in bed and go why did this have to happen yeah. but yeah. Show some faith and you'll get through this. You will absolutely get through. Well, you're a very strong person anyway, Michelle. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. I was going to ask a question to Catherine. I said, well, can you imagine what that would have been like when, you know, Andy and Alex and, <laughs> oh. and you're at home and I would have got killed. You would Yeah, so, uh, uh, so what? Uh, okay, what's up with you today? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this all about? Great question. Well, I'm teasing, I'm teasing your mom because it's Valentine's Day, and she gave me the stiff arm, said, eh, I don't have any cards or anything for you. Uh, I cannot find <laughs> Alex, did you take? No, I did not take Valentine's them. Day? You never gave okay, them there's to a, me. There's a bag of Valentine's stuff. Somewhere. Cards somewhere. you were supposed to take home, some <laughs> candies <laughs> to the kid. Never gave I have looked. Me. Everywhere. Maybe it's with I'm my gonna... shoes and other clothes that you put in a random bag in I your closet. I did not put it in there. That you absolutely you. did. No, nope. you <laughs> definitely did it. All right. So where where is it? We don't know. The can the Valentine stuff is missing. <clears throat> it's still missing because you mentioned oh, it to you me. Well, it was, was it was candy, so I would have definitely put it high up, so yeah, Jude so couldn't have gotten it. it. I've looked in every high up area that we have in this space. Yeah. I don't understand where it is. You mentioned it to me while I was there. You were like, oh, we can't forget. And then I was like, oh, we forgot. And now they're missing. Like, lots of other things. Yeah, you things. forgot the 45 pounds of candy that Becky you brought over from England. 45 pounds of British candy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't have put yeah. it, I couldn't have fit it in my bag anyway. I don't know where. I would have had to bring another bag just for candy. Huh. Yeah, you would have had to bring a candy. I would have had yeah, to have an above. <laughs> yeah, I just had my backpack, which was full. So I was like, well, I don't. Well, yeah, I forgot it anyway, and it was a lot of candy. It was a lot. Yeah. And where is it? Did you put it up on a shelf or something? Because it's not going to last until you until. No, it was, it was in the closet up on the shelf because the kids kept getting into it every oh, chance yes. they got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mom said, yeah, I found them in there one time with the lights off with the light bright eating candy. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Unbelievable. And I was like, how much candy have you eaten? One. One piece. Three. <laughs> Two piece. Five, three. maybe five. <laughs> maybe I was like five. five. Was it more than five? No, no, no it was three. Five. They were like, no, yeah, it's five. She knows an five. acceptable amount is three. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There, I was like, I get it. You get a giant bag of candy and you just go wild. Yeah, you do. Me too. It's fine. <laughs>
It's fine. And British uh, candy is better than American candy. Well, it's all true, I'm sure. Yeah, Cadbury is better in Cadbury's the English kind. It's not as sweet. I don't like milk chocolate. Like, I mean, if you gave me milk chocolate, I'd be like, sweet, thanks, and I'd eat it. But I wouldn't, like, I prefer dark. Ugh. Mm-hmm. See? Most people hate dark I don't chocolate, know. but I, know. I don't know. But it's always... just milk chocolate's just too, like, sweet, and you can, like, crunch sugar in it a lot of the time. And that I'm like, get true, this yes. out of here. So, and... British chocolate just isn't as sweet, so it's like the perfect balance between not too dark and like bitter. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. And then they have all of their gummies don't have artificial food coloring in them, which my kids can't have red food coloring. And so they got to eat all the like pink and rainbow gummy uh. candy they could want, which was like their dream. That's why they snuck it into a closet with a light bright. <laughs> they snuck They're into like, the closet fi- with a light well, like, Today is going to be rough because it's Valentine's Day and they're both having Valentine's Day parties at their school and everything right. has everything red, red and pink yep. food coloring everything in it. Is red. And so they bring home all this stuff and I have to be like, well, you can't eat any of it. Yeah. And then they're mad at me. And I'm like, okay, maybe blame America for allowing red food coloring. <laughs> Not my problem. Exactly. I don't know. We're blaming America yeah. for the all so, the Alex, did you watch the Super Bowl? Did you watch I the did. halftime? I show? watched it until it was like halfway through the last quarter. Sage woke up, and then I was like, well, I'll just go to sleep now. And so I didn't watch the end of it, but I saw most of it, yes. So what did you think? I mean, you're kind of a child of the time. I'm a child of the <laughs> time. Whatever that means. Whatever that. Like, well, because it was football? mostly 90s rappers, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, they were like, yes. pretty old school. Yes. Was Humpty there? Other than... No, did he, it was... Did he like his own no, meal? No, Humpty. It was... It was Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dr. Dre, Dre, Eminem. Well, Kendrick that, Lamar's Kendrick the only... That is very, non- like, they threw late Kendrick, 90s. Yeah. They threw Kendrick Lamar in there because it's like, youth needs something. Yeah. Yeah. He is so <laughs> small. Oh, yeah, he's not big. Tiny. Oh, my God. Yeah. When he was around all those men, because they had a bunch of men surrounding him, and I was just like... And then he came out of the group of men, and he was in front of all of them, and I was like, how... He's... Like five six, I think is what yeah, I googled five, it. Six. I was like, wow. actually, yeah, I kept making Dan Google so many things during because, like, <laughs> have as a person with ADHD, like I think of things and I'm like, I need to find this out immediately. And I didn't have my phone with me; it was dead. And so I was like, Dan, will you look this up? Dan, will you look this up? And then I stopped asking him because I was like, well, I don't want him to be annoyed with my questions. And then I would just ask questions of like, I wonder how tall <laughs> Kendrick <laughs> Lamar is. He doesn't seem tall. And he's like. Do you want me to Google? He is much shorter than Taylor Swift, like a head. Yeah, Taylor Swift is. Small. <laughs> He's a head shorter than Kendrick Taylor Lamar Swift. Lamar is yeah. very small. Yeah, and then Fifty yeah. Cent just appeared yeah, upside he was a down. Yeah, random. Yeah, that was doing some sit-ups. So mm-hmm. weird. Why was he upside down? I don't know. Because in the in the original down. music video for the song, that was like his thing. He was upside down oh. in like a laboratory. That's so old. sad that you yeah. know that. That's, uh, you know what? Somebody's got to be the the culture on the show. Yeah. <laughs> the culture, this, yes. I saw the culture. Me- I saw a meme that said, "Can we get a hologram Tupac?" And then it was like the um, Pawn Stars guys, and like best we can do is an upside down Fifty Cent. <laughs> 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 it's like, yes. I know. I I really have a hard time understanding all the outrage about it. I really do. I mean, it was just a matter of time before outrage. we were going to have a rap. You know. Yeah. Time I'm surprised well, it hasn't I mean, happened before. And it wasn't I, even that yeah. bad. No, like, and I, like, I. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't anything. It was just a normal. I mean, Snoop Dogg's little tracksuit was adorable. Mm. I was like, I want that tracksuit. His wife was wearing a matching tracksuit. Oh, my God. Yep. Bless him. Bless him. <laughs> but Somebody they, married him? 
I don't know yeah, if it's wife worth or about a million million I'm pretty sure it's wife. Yeah. yeah, they had like a reality show together for a while. Mm-hmm. And like all but of did? his children were there. Yeah, because he was back when he would coach yeah. Little League football mm-hmm. out in California. Yep. Yeah. And then he coached the Puppy Bowl. He did. Yep. Coach Him and Martha Bowl. Stewart were puppy bowl <coughs> Coach coaches. Coach a puppy. There's no I, they way. They were just. They weren't. Yeah. It was they, hilarious. They're though. not going to listen to a thing you say. Yeah. So Tevin, I need you to do something since you're, you're yep. the only black man in America today on the on the show this morning. Yep. Could you, for the rest of the show, grab your crotch like all the rappers Please did on the during the Super Bowl? Don't do that. that. I would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Come on Tevin. Really inappropriate. Be a rapper. Just I grab was, your junk on international television. I was very excited, though, because there's these three dancers that I follow on Instagram and have for years, and they were in the show. All of a sudden, they like showed up in one of the little boxes, and I was like, oh, my God, it's them. Really? It was, yeah, it was very exciting for me. Well, Michael Jackson used to do that, and he wasn't really a, he wasn't a rapper. No. Oh yeah, he, he did that all the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah, in the, kind of the uh, thing guys a, do. And he at one point was black. At one point, yeah. yes. <laughs> there's yeah, a uh, Sega Genesis game yeah. called Michael Jackson's Moodwalker, where you play as Michael Jackson, oh, really? and one of the special moves you can do, you just crotch. grab your crotch. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't do anything. You can just you can do it. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. He might have started it even. I think he might have. Might have. I don't know. Well. If anyone started it, I would say it's either him or maybe like Elvis. Did Elvis ever do that? No, he no, did. No, Elvis he did not grab his crotch. I don't know where we can find a video of Elvis grabbing his crotch so all these white people can <laughs> shut, yeah, shut up. up. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I don't what do you mean, care. white people? Listen to you, you racist. It doesn't. Baseball players me. have done it forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a little different, yeah. though. Adjusting I, their cup. Also, Dr. Dre looks fantastic. He does not mm-hmm. age. What is going on? Like, he looks the same well, how old as is like he? 20 years ago. Yeah, you're right. He's got to be like 60. Yeah. He yeah, is he 56. Good for him. Probably has a really good facialist. Probably. Oh, God, I'm sure he's had a lot of work. Everyone's Probably. had a lot of work done in the entertainment oh, business. Yeah, the other weird thing about the Super Bowl to me was uh, most of the commercials were just like recycling yeah. vintage actors. Yeah. I was like, what is and this all them, about? Some of them didn't make any sense. I was like, so many Super Bowl commercials. I'm like, what is this a commercial for? Like, mm-hmm. what are you trying to sell? Like, until the very end when that, like, you know, mm. icon shows up. Icon. That's not what I'm trying to say. Logo. Logo. There we go. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Who scanned the QR code? Oh, my, one the of my friends. Cube. Yeah. yeah scanned. That was weird, that ping yeah, pong across really the screen like that. I know. Yeah. I was like, and again, I didn't have my phone. So I was like, Dan, scan the QR code. <laughs> well, I, thought I was like, that. I know it's a cryptocurrency thing. I can just feel it. I thought most of the commercials were a big disappointment. Yes. The E-Trade one with the little kid sitting there chopping wood and he's retired and he takes oh, a swig baby. out of his yeah. sippy cup. Oh my gosh. The kids <laughs> thought that, that was cute. The kids thought that was hilarious cuz we watched oh, I loved We that. watched like the first cute. half hour with them before they went to bed and yeah, they thought that was really funny. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good game all in all. Yeah. The truth. Like it wasn't boring or anything. Like Super Bowl games can sometimes be like, and well, I, it was yeah, very exciting. Oh, oh, they didn't throw any flags, hardly. Van, he's a wide Jefferson receiver. Jefferson had yep. to go to the hospital his, after, after yep. his wife. Yeah. His wife just went into labor during the game, and he like ran <sighs> from winning the Super Bowl to the hospital, oh. and his baby was born at like 9 p.m. Interesting wow, day. big day for him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, she was 40 weeks pregnant, so yeah, it's time. Bound to happen. 
40 weeks pregnant. I mean, Jesus. months, weeks, yeah, months. 40 months pregnant. 40, She's a 40 months, yeah. Oh, yeah. Months. Months. It sounds like a three years. 40 came out months. Smoking cigarettes. Yep. I know, three feet tall. No, I don't know. I, I thought, like I said, I, there's all this outrage running around about the... The, the, how many murderers got to perform? Put a couple black people on stage and everybody's outraged. Well, yeah. although they're murderers and those sexual assaults. Yeah, and he's, he definitely sexually assaulted somebody. Um, yeah. And hasn't mm-hmm. didn't 50 Cent? No, he got shot he, in the he face. Was shot he got shot times. nine times. Yeah. Nine times. Yep. I don't know. That's and literally I, all I, was, I know about As him. I was watching it, I was like, there's going to be people that are like, Eminem's the only white guy in the whole thing, and this is an equal mm. representation, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I was like, I God, that I'm sick of that. That was going to happen. Where are all the but, Asian rappers? All right. Yeah, where are the Mexicans? Where's mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> Eastern <throat> Indians? Where's like Native said, people? Where's I, I know, know, and then they were all upset that Eminem <clears throat> took a knee. It's like, who cares? Yeah, which I didn't like, even know why he took it. He looked like he was crying when he was taking the knee. His body was, was like I think he was. I think he was acting. Yeah, I think he might have been. also looks great. Performative. Like, he doesn't look like he's aged. Well, we'll have Ralph on tomorrow, and he can explain why. <laughs> he can tell us why Dr. Dre <laughs> yeah. and Eminem explain the procedures. So okay. You mean we'll have a cosmetic surgeon tell us why people stay young looking yeah. for so long? Yes. Botox. Botox. I think that's hilarious. Why don't we take a break here? We'll be back in about seven minutes with Hour 2, which, of course, will include Kostaki Economopolis. Now we're talking. We'll be back.